Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Every once in a while, the comic books are like, you know what? You know what's not working right now? Good guys fighting bad guys. That formula seems to be broken. So how can we change things up? What if, and just spitballing here, we have the good guys fight the good guys? Excuse me? It's, I know, I know, crazy, crazy like a fox. This could work. This could really work. And it, it has several times. I mean, you had, had Marvel do it once upon a time with a little ditty called Civil War, um, a fantastic comic series that led into disappointment as it quickly just came to an end and Captain America was just dead. Um, and then <laughs> Plot twist. Plot twist. <laughs> he's, he's never truly dead. Never truly dead. No one stays dead in comic books except Jean Grey. She usually stays dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. I I heard I haven't read in a while. I think I think that may have even changed. <laughs> they may have actually finally bought Jean Grey back, but I'm not sure. <laughs> comics are worse than movies when it comes to mm-hmm. deceased individuals. You know, it's like even if you saw them die in the comic, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't it really matter doesn't. at all. Well, yeah. when it comes to this formula of of, of good fighting good, uh, Marvel did see some pretty good success with that comic, uh, and then of course, like we got a movie out of it, which loosely followed what happened with the comic books um but dare i say this is one of those times where people look at me crazy when i will say i'm sorry but dc did it better and i know yes i know it's hard to believe given that they can't seem to get a movie right these days but they took this concept and they did way better than civil war either comic book or movie when they created a great little game called Injustice, Gods Among Us. That's right. We return to Retro Reviews, even though Retro technically doesn't quite fit within the time frames that we've been using it, but we're just considering Retro older than right now. Yes. We <laughs> will be using that as a pretty much go-ahead uh, you know, definition for Retro, is it's not now. It happened before therefore retro it was in the before times in the long long ago of 2013 mm-hmm. yes yeah, so we were graced with Augustus colon gods among us <laughs> some people don't say the colon part no. but I, I i make sure to do yeah you do have this thing we like to use punctuation there was that time you had an egregious use of exclamation marks in your editing if if it's on the page, I will read it, okay? <laughs> That's why instead of it's, I say it apostrophe S because yes. it's there. You have to read it. And that way we know which form of the word you're trying to use. 
Contraction or no contraction? <laughs> well, similar to other retro reviews that we have done this short season on this program, we do want to take you on a little bit of a walk throughout this property or this IP specifically. Mm-hmm. And this is a unique video game because it had a ton of media tie-ins. So there's other things going on with this game than just the stuff that you're playing. Just the, you know, there's there's multiple different types of pictures you're going to see with this game. So story time, motherfucker. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Injustice. So Joe, what yeah. is Injustice? Do you want to you want to take a stab at that real quick for folks that may not be in the know? If you're not familiar, this is a uh, fighting game based off of the Unreal Engine, which you may be thinking the most unreal thing about that engine is the fact that they're still fucking using it and that it actually does as good as it does. Um, because, fuck, when did the Unreal Engine actually come out? Like, God. Uh, I think I remember using that, like, in, like, 2005. I mean, there's been there's been different versions of the mm-hmm. engine. But, yes, I mean, of course, it's aptly named after the Unreal video game the that unreal we played tournament. many Indeed, years ago. Yes. So yeah. they, they use this engine, which is also the one that's used, like you said, primarily in Mortal Kombat, since this borrows a lot from it and this is the the second which we would consider like next gen or slightly modern gen um dc based fighting game uh from from uh from the company because we actually had mortal kombat versus the dc universe earlier and that had some positives to it like uh the graphics were beautiful um scenes like the scenery or the uh the levels were great story was fun it was believable enough and but it just kind of felt like it didn't quite hit it off it didn't wasn't quite there like this is a, it was a solid b plus what we got with that so we wanted to improve upon it so we took the same idea we ditched the mortal kombat characters and so we're just gonna stick with the dc ones and we end up getting this rare rare video game where it feels like you're playing a comic book. Like the only only other time like times I've really gotten this was when uh, I played any of the Arkham games other than Arkham Origins, that one was me. Um or like the Spider-Man or Spider-Man on the PS4. Like those felt like you were like playing a comic book. Like like the characters woven perfectly to the story. Of course, you also in this case, you had key voices like Kevin Conroy um actually being batman again so it felt like the animated series uh up there but we get this great fighting game that has built off of what you had dc versus mortal kombat do and then of course the mortal kombat games in between that game and injustice do to get a very very well polished fighting game that takes a lot of elements from mortal kombat like scene transitions being knocked in from one uh one part of a level into another uh you get what's a nice reprieve from really old fighting games so like if you remember like the old like um street fighter days or the old mortal Kombat days where you had like the mile long combo to try and pull something off to pull off a really big move well mm-hmm. in this game we, we ditch that for something that's much easier so it just again makes the experience enjoyable for if there's a casual fighting game player as opposed to someone who plays them more often. And then we also um, get, like, I, I guess, again, like a brilliant soundtrack to this as well. And I'd like to circle back to the story here 
because like we said, we alluded to, it's hero versus hero, but how they set that up is very, very well done. And they draw inspiration from several other previous DC resources to get to yes. where Injustice is. And you might say we did a little bit of research for this, also experienced some of it on our own. But as Joe mentioned, this is a, a video game that happened to have a comic tie-in. So they actually developed a comic series for Injustice. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually written by uh, Tom Taylor. So for those of you out there who are DC nerds, which I'm assuming at least, you know, a few of you are. Mm -hmm. uh, he, yeah, he didn't only write Injustice. He also wrote uh, Deceased, which is like the Marvel Zombies DC version. Mm -hmm. um, but he also wrote Nightwing for Superman, Suicide Squad. Um, and he, he'd even make his way over to Marvel, too, at some point. Mm -hmm. as, um, as many writers and artists do, they go between the bigger two there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and what the, the storyline kind of borrows from here, though, uh, for those of you who have heard of Kingdom Come, this is the storyline where Superman has a ponytail. Yep. <laughs> it's a glor <laughs> glorious ponytail. Uh, but yeah, just long story short, because just in case folks want to read this or have any interest in it, mm -hmm. uh, the Joker is going to Joker, right? Yep. And so he ends up murdering a whole lot of folks over at the Daily Planet. For those of you who know who also works there, one of those people has the hots for Superman. And we won't call her by name, just in case. Spoiler alert. It is a little but... though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might know her if you've experienced property at all. But mm -hmm. either way, there's a lot of stuff going on in Kingdom Come. It's not just a you know good versus evil thing. Mm -hmm. We actually have a new wave of violent heroes, like violent superheroes. And one of them is named Magog, I believe. Or is it Magog? I, I usually say Magog remember. with it, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So this dude Magog comes along. And he, he likes to fight a little bit harder than some of our traditional DC superheroes might. And this dude straight up kills the Joker. Yes, murders him right yeah. right in front of everyone. Yeah. Like the police but, are holding him, ready to put him in the car and everything. He's like, nah, boom. He gets he gets acquitted, though. Yeah. He gets acquitted, which causes Superman to go into exile. He takes that ponytail and he says, I'm, I'm going to go find me some solitude. Mm -hmm. And probably listen to the Eagles' greatest hits while I'm at it. So, Come here continuing with you know with this this story in kingdom come a nuclear explosion occurs in the great state of kansas where if you remember a certain superhero named superman spent some time there a few years maybe yeah. maybe one or two mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah magog causes this this explosion essentially because he's fighting a villain called the parasite who splits captain adam in two which for those of you who've understood how atoms work Splitting them is not exactly uh, something we recommend you do at home. No, no. It's a it's a rather violent process and um, outcome when you do yes. so. It's not very good. Mm -mm. So, so yes, so a lot of bad things happen in Kingdom Come, ironically enough, which involves Superman and some would call potentially a tyrannic rule of sorts, right? Yeah, a little, I mean, it's... I, this is this is hands down my favorite graphic novel of all time. I absolutely love Kingdom Come, and on top of the story being intriguing, um, because you have Superman struggling with he basically had his what he had his idea of justice was thought of as this old way of doing it, and this new way came in, and then suddenly Superman comes back after being in exile for a while with the old brand of justice, trying to get the new heroes on board with it and 
with his his idealism and another superhero's input who you may say is a bit even older school than superman one may say Am- amazonian like in in their methods um insists on being a little more stern with the newer bunch so but beautifully written story and then this is also um illustrated by alex ross so if you're familiar with his artwork and you're a fan of him uh definitely definitely check out kingdom come because alex ross uh, does the artwork for it he also does a bit of the writing for it but mark wade if you are familiar with him as well as a writer make a fantastic book together yep yep and when you play this game i mean you can you can pretty clearly tell some of these plot lines kind of uh, make their way over but they're they're tweaked just a little Mm -hmm. bit and the Justice League TV series would also explore this. So the animated uh, series, which once again, DC manages to get the comics and the animated yeah, stuff. So well done. <laughs> but the movies are just like, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, the movies are just like, yeah, just write C in for all the answers. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, in, in the Justice League uh, TV series, there's some explorations into you know alternate realities, right? Mm-hmm. And in one of these alternate realities, Lex Luthor is the president. All right. The 86 is the flash Mm -hmm. and Superman gets revenge basically by killing Lex Luthor and taking over with, with the justice league. So they take over the planet and he calls it his quote unquote peaceful world. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So Batman in turn, since he's always kind of had it in for Superman, just in case decides to build himself a, a portal that merges these two realities. So, however you want to describe it, if you want to call it a prime and then alternate version, whatever, brings them together and convinces Batman to rebel. Well, basically Batman convinces Batman mm-hmm. you're going to rebel against this, this tyrannic policy. And we kind of move on from there. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it's, I think they, they use the term justice Lords for that, uh, yeah. for that, for that part. It's uh, this is from justice league unlimited. I'm pretty sure not the, yeah. the original series that it, it was, was based off of. And like the scene where you have Batman, um, we'll say Batman A or Batman, I guess we could say Batman Prime or I guess really Earth One Batman, whatever. Earth One Batman talks to Justice Lord Batman as they're driving through like squeaky clean Gotham in the in the daytime, which yeah. if you know Batman and Gotham <laughs> City, those are two things that one doesn't exist and one he would never do. Um, mm. And that scene where he finally basically uses one line to convince Justice Lord Batman to like actually rebel. Again, some of the best comic book anything ever made in that yeah. scene. So if you if you've never watched Justice League Unlimited, which we may have to actually do an episode on that at this point, uh, we should I mean, definitely go check that out. Yes, yes, and if you're if you're picking up on this, guys, the the background of what went into this game has some pretty strong pillars that it's built on mm-hmm. and one of those things that we've kind of alluded to a couple times here would be the prequel comic series that aligned with the video game and so if you're familiar with the uh, star trek you know kelvin verse or kelvin universe they did a very similar thing like this back in 2009 where there's a a comic book tie-in to the movie that explains a ton of things that are going on right mm-hmm. and with this one specifically, it goes into a little bit more of like the villains of this universe. And it kind of explains what they're doing on the outsides, you know, the periphery and all that. Um, because, you know, the game obviously focuses a lot on the heroes. Yes. But 
but yeah, so this this is a really cool tie-in, mm -hmm. and it's it's a series that actually kept going uh, for quite a while. Quite a while. <laughs> I mean, it gets to the point where you've got like crazy amounts of spinoffs. There's even eventually like a, a part of it where He-Man comes in and <laughs> fights Injustice Superman. So it just kind of goes all over the place. I think, God, I want to say they do at least like because instead of like calling them chapters for the Injustice comic, they refer to them as years. So there's like years. Injustice year one, year two, year three. I think they at least do like 10 years of Injustice, minimal. Um, and you know what? Maybe minimal. That might just be my brain thinking and not having actual fact. We will maybe fact check that um, and put it in the show notes. We'll see. <laughs> For the but for the most part though, I mean, you're correct. It, it just focuses on on years of of the engagement and breaks it down that way, um, which we'll talk about how that actually aligns really well with how they chose to uh, build up the game. So we'll, we'll cover that in a moment. But to take you back now to the journey of the video game itself, though, mm. we're gonna we're gonna time travel back here a little bit to uh, the the late. The late early 2000s. We're not quite into yes. the 2010s yet. No, 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 <laughs> not there. <laughs> yeah, but if you remember, there was a studio that used to make a lot of Mortal Kombat games. If you're familiar with Midway Games, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, they're no longer a thing, not a unfortunately. Thing no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yep, they... they filed for bankruptcy yes, back they... in 2009. Did the grosses were too low for Midway? Had to cash in. <laughs> You know, it really was a time where they had made fighting games for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And I would say that fighting games had a couple of things that happened to them. One, we had a lot of saturation in the market. There's a ton of people mm -hmm. making games. There's a lot of different styles, more importantly. And the worst thing about fighting games that I will say, and this is totally on me. So I think the issue that a lot of fighting games had was that there was no story to many of them. If there was a story, it was usually all text or kind of hidden within margins somewhere. The, lo the longer or the, the bigger point to make here is that a lot of fighting games just didn't focus on it. And that was kind of the identity for many, you know, many years. So either way, Midway Games goes into bankruptcy, right? Along comes WB. Now, Joe, are you familiar with WB at all? Um, That's the one where you have the two brothers and the sister, right? An Animaniacs right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that whole thing is adorable when it's the Warner Brothers and you get yeah. shot because there's a period at the end. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same studio, yes. We're talking about the Warner Brothers, of course. So Warner Brothers comes along and actually purchases the, uh, the studio, Midway Games. And... There's a couple acquisitions they made around this this time period, um, but in 2012 specifically, one of the studios that kind of rose out of these ashes would be the Chicago-based studio called NetherRealm mm -hmm. Studios. So if you're familiar with NetherRealm, that's a play on Mortal Kombat. It's it's where essentially all the bad people of the Mortal Kombat universe come from is the NetherRealm. So NetherRealm Studios rises out of this, and they start deciding to make games again, yes. as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. There's like that that pseudo reboot ish Mortal Kombat that came out in 2011, mm -hmm. and then in 2012, this this game gets announced. Yes, and really like NetherRealm because like you said like Midway when it when it went under like there's just an oversaturation of fighting games and it felt like you had like basically each game 
was vying for like some sort of weird corner of the market. And Mortal yeah. Kombat, like when it started, always had this thing like it was basically violent and it was gory. And that was kind of its thing because you'd have other games like Street Fighter or Virtua Fighter or Tekken. And like they all kind of played slightly different and had a different feel than each other. So you could have like that was unique. Um, but like either they had to be like all of them tried to be character driven to a fault, but they're all looking for like just one little thing to really push their game over the edge. And for Mortal Kombat, it was just they always pushed the gore. And I think eventually yeah. it got to the point where like, OK, well, there's blood flying everywhere. Hooray. Um, it's just not doing anything for us anymore. We are we're no longer um, wowed or like, oh, how edgy Mortal Kombat is that they've yeah. they've made this gory. But they need to do something. So NetherRealm, I think, really, not, not maybe not not for the first time, because Midway tried doing it too, but they, what they did much better than Midway was actually give, like, kind of a better storyline behind the Mortal Kombat games. So that way it was more than just, like, a tower that you went up and fought against, where it was just what, characters that got harder as you as you fought them. Or, like, you know, just a very weak premise, like, oh... This is an international fighting competition. I shall fly across the country and across the globe, fighting other people until I'm the number one fighter. Um, yeah. It just gave kind of a better premise to everything. So they took that, and then, and then, like you said, in 2012, this game gets announced. And there's there's some hype behind it because of the great work that NetherRealm had done actually putting like the Mortal Kombat franchise not only back into something that was viable, but back into something that was like legitimately entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember back when E3 used to actually have an in-person, you know, conference to go to? What's E3? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they even have yeah, one, of the, one of those this year. They canceled it. One of the biggest gaming conferences across the country. <laughs> well, at one point in time, back in 2012, this game was brought to E3, and so they they showed off a lot of the features of it, and it got like one of the best in show awards when it was there, almost like a dog show, right? Yep, they're just they have the game like on a little leash, and they they prance it about a the stage. They yeah, they do like a little bow. They check yeah, to make sure the teeth are standard. Like, yeah, all right, here's injustice. Here's injustice, and right next to it is a, is a Bichon Frise for you to check out. <laughs> now you can go yeah. to Westy there for a second. Uh, you know, fluffy white dogs, you know, you know they're about the same. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it earns best fighting game. Mm -hmm. um, it also ends up getting accolades from IGN, Game Trailers, Game Informer, and like a half dozen other uh, publications that year as either like best fighter or, you know, whatever. Like there, there's a lot of hype behind it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So once again, this game, before we even touch gameplay, because we talked a little bit about it, it really is the story that, yeah that carries this in in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and so as the game starts out like joe mentioned earlier you're actually following chapters of what essentially feels like a book and rather than have the narrative carried by a single character you end up getting to see the vantage point of multiple different dc characters throughout the entire game mm -hmm. and joe what, what did you think about that narrative choice and, and the direction they went with it I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, there is definitely something to be said about, like, not enjoying being forced to play a character you don't like. So, like, if you don't um, care about Blue Beetle, which is in Blue Beetle's not in this game. He is in the sequel. But if you don't care about Blue Beetle at all, I don't want to fucking play as Blue Beetle. Um, this game would make you play 
as a good chunk of the characters. Not every playable character is played through in the story. You don't get to play them. But, like, it forces you to go from perspective to perspective, which is great when it actually works for telling the story that the writers want to tell. When you have the conflict that develops in this game and you want to see what's happening on both sides of the conflict and how characters question what they've been doing and like jump from one side to the next or how yeah, one side is yeah. just rising up in general being able to see both sides of that and you being different characters uh because of it like it worked perfectly so this was one of those times where like you know what i just want to be superman just let me be superman that's how it'd be like in most other games but in this game like i wasn't like no this is great like I get to be Black Canary for it. Well, actually, no, no, Black Canary. No, 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 Black Canary's in the second one. But like Green Arrow, you get yep. to be Green Arrow for a while. And as fans of the show Arrow, eventually there even would be DLC for a skin from the season one. And when you had the skin, Stephen Amell actually did the voice for the skin too. So you got Arrow instead of the, the voice actor who did Green Arrow in the game, uh, which is yeah. just a fun little tidbit if you haven't played this yet, but enjoy the good old show. It, well, and to your point, I mean, what's what's really crucial about this is because of the fact that we've got different realities here, characters don't just do what they would have done in the other reality, mm -hmm. which I know it seems pretty bluntly obvious, but sometimes when you see alternate realities, like only like one or two characters really are all that different, right? Yeah. The other one just has a mustache and then stares <laughs> at the other one for a while and goes, you know, but no, no, we're the same person. And in this one, though, you do have some characters that are actually on the bad side that historically have been good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got a completely different Lex Luthor in this one that frankly, the first time I played it, I went, Whoa, mm -hmm. they have never done that before. Ooh. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's why this, this chapter format and then kind of going back and forth. I mean, once again, not, not playing too much to any one character. Mm -hmm. It really does give you a full like 360 view. And so, it's pretty comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Like it touches on on damn near every every piece of drama that's woven, yeah. you know, into this. The only thing that doesn't really get as much time is the relationship between you know uh, Bruce Wayne and his son. Mm -hmm. Like that's the only thing that doesn't really happen here, um, which it does get you know it does get some play in the comic and everything, but mm -hmm. they just they just didn't have enough time. Yeah, they did not. No, they they focus much more on something that eventually becomes such a trope among several like comic book like companies and eventually even like it overwhelms DC kind of like how um, for instance like Wolverine was popular so Wolverine was a loner but for some reason was in every single affiliation in the Marvel universe and then yep. Harlequin was just Harley was just super popular after the animated series because she's a great character so suddenly she's in everything. She gets her own cartoon. She even eventually in the comics, my understanding, makes her way into the Justice League, which is very weird. Very weird. Not used to that. I'm, I'm just too old, apparently, to accept this. But uh, but yeah, so what ends up happening in this? Like Mark had mentioned, one of the things that inspired this, this, um, this video game was the Justice League Unlimited uh, story arc where Superman becomes like this tyrannical leader. And that's what you have in this game. That's the premise of the game is that something so bad happens to Superman that may have also happened in Kingdom Come that he loses it. He snaps and he's just inflicts like 
totalitarian rule upon uh, Earth in that DC universe. So that you get other characters either fell in line and to the point where you even have villains listening to Superman and you have heroes falling in line and then there are heroes who are like, we can't, we can't let you do this, Clark. So they're like... some secretly and others not so secretly trying to fight against Superman. So when we say like there are different sides, different affiliations, those are what's going on. And then eventually things apparently are so in Superman's favor that Batman, who is the, the head of the rebellion feels that the only way that they could possibly turn the tide is that they jump to a different universe and bring in heroes from there to help them overthrow the evil Superman. And Because of how well this story was done, suddenly evil Superman just kind of exploded. Uh, Or the idea of evil Superman. Like, you see the boys, and you've got evil Superman there. Um, Mm -hmm. Irredeemable, uh, which is an amazing, amazing story uh, that I think I've brought up a few times on the podcast before that I always recommend people read. Um, Evil Superman. Uh, Then, of course, you've got, I mean, Sentry is kind of an evil Superman in Marvel, but he's more of a drug addicted superman who just makes really bad decisions um and is evil in the end and then is now yeah. unevil like it's weird but his bad his bad decisions range anywhere from you know eating food after six mm-hmm. you know way too much sugar he he doesn't brush his teeth at night only in the morning which, oh, is, which is a big no-no no terrible like you're gonna have all that sugar and everything from the day just sitting in your teeth at night cavities galore Apparently, Kryptonians don't have to deal with that. I mean, they, you know, I mean, that's why they're they're gods. They don't have to worry <laughs> about it. Um, and then eventually, even things like Brightburn was a huge, huge hit for a while there too. But yeah, like it just this is what for a while. If you ever feel like, you know what, it feels like I'm just seeing a lot of evil Superman everywhere. This is what really got that going. Yep. This is this is where a lot of that can kind of be you know drawn back to, which mm-hmm. is is surprising to think that. We're only talking about 2013 or 2012 is like, you know, but that's, that's it. It's that recent. Mm -hmm. Um, And some other things about this story that I thought were, were interesting, despite the fact that it's a, it's a little bit different. You still do have this power struggle between Superman and Batman, you know, because Batman is always kind of talked about having this like secret weapon Mm -hmm. just in case Superman turns on us. You know, and so that has a chance to kind of grow some legs in this one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the one that I actually thought was the most interesting was trying to see how Superman and Wonder Woman carry on as a couple. And <laughs> it was very strange to me. It was it almost reminded me of Dr. Manhattan uh, and, and Silk Spectre in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I know Superman was very much um kind of so involved with his mission or his idea of how the world needs to run that Wonder Woman is kind of just there out of curiosity for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I would say that's one of the only plot lines in this that doesn't, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily, you know, land. Yeah. Um, I'll admit I haven't read all of the injustice comics, Mm -hmm. but during the game, at least I was like, yeah, okay. Yep. This one needed a little, little more time to bake. Yeah, you know, and it, it wasn't proved very long. No, That's the issue. No, but they I mean they kind of did think out a lot of other things pretty well for this. Like for instance, um, you may be thinking like, well, if this is totalitarian Superman, and he's, and there are times where you can see in this game he's not fucking around. He's not pulling punches. You can just ask Shazam, and when you play the game and see what happens to him, you'll see Superman's not fucking around. Um, but or you can ask Green Arrow too. You can ask Green Arrow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Um, you're like thinking like, well, clearly like there's no way like Green Arrow, like there we go. He's just a human or Batman, who's the leader of the rebellion. He's just a human. If Superman isn't fucking around, how are these characters surviving? Apparently, when Superman did decide he was going to become this uh, authoritarian figure, he did basically use like some sort of Kryptonian um, science that was locked away in the Fortress of Solitude that to create more or less like a pill that just allowed like the body to be more Kryptonian like, even if it's not Kryptonian. So when he would like basically give it to his his flackies or his henchmen or people who didn't have powers, they would become significantly sturdier. So that's why like they could take a punch from Superman and not be reduced to fundamental particles. Uh, oh, yeah. Or at least like, you know, a, you know, a non-moving meat sack. Yes, more more bone density, better posture, mm-hmm. tighter butts. I mean, you you name it, you they got it. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and this this magical pill, as it were, was called five U ninety three R. Which, for those of you who just listened to that and go, why should that be the name of it? Well, it's just a cute play on the name Super. Yep. If you look at it, mm-hmm. the numbers, yeah, they're they're supposed to mimic the letters. It's a nice little cutesy game they're playing there. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the five U ninety three R pill. Yep, mm-hmm. it makes everybody into into super powered people. Which, yes. which by the way, plays into a very important note here. All right, Warner Brothers demanded that this could not have over the top violence that Mortal Kombat was known for. Mm-hmm. So this this five U ninety three R pill actually plays into not just a plot line for the story of this. It also kind of plays into the fact that, well, yeah, if if Superman mm-hmm. is punching a human, their face is noticeably going to become a jelly. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there, there has to be something that balances that out. And so this pill ends up being a, a, pretty much a footnote within the story, right? Mm-hmm. They, they briefly explain it. You're yeah. about to see uh, Green Arrow take one of them. And then, like all of a sudden, they're off to something else already. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 an important distinction, and I actually don't think it's a bad idea. No, like, yeah, when you see a lot of these plot devices that just kind of show up, like an atomic bomb at the end of a movie that was never mentioned even once, but then it's there to save the day. Mm-hmm. That and then kind their hair of turns stuff. white. We don't get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the video of this one, Joe and I are, are both at a loss for words, yep. holding up the one hand, going, "Are you serious?" Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me right now? But anyway. Lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually not 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 upset with that, right? Um, but getting to the gameplay of this game, we talked about fighting games quite a bit. Now there were some interesting things about this game that I had not actually seen before in a fighting game, and one of them are these mini games that occur mm-hmm. as you're playing through the story, and it's 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 actually some of it's laughable, but it's also still really engaging. What did you think about the mini games, Joe? I loved them. Like it was, it was just another fun way to help, like one, tell the story, and two, actually influence the fight before it happens. Because yeah. you would get like these little things, and they're basically like, um, think of like a like God of War or da- Dante's Inferno of like these. Uh, I always forget the style, but like you have to press uh, quick time events. Quick time events, yeah, they're more yeah. or less quick time events where you've got to do these. These, these short actions, and if you complete them, either you stay at full health 
or you reduce their health if you complete them properly. Or if you don't yeah. complete them properly, you just are down a little bit of health going into the actual fight itself. And like they're they're fun things. Like there'll be like um I think there's one part where uh like when Superman first comes from one universe to the next and Black Adam is there to like confront him, <laughs> he's like chucking cars at Superman. So you're just yeah. blowing up cars with your heat vision as they're flying at you. And what is also really bad is that when this happens, Black Adam is just pulling the cars off as they're driving close to him. Oh, yeah. And I don't yeah. think people actually get out of the cars. No, no, no. No, nope. but they're just sleeping. They're just, just sleeping. sleeping. Just yeah, they're sleeping. Not, they're, they're not dead. They're just sleeping. Just, just, just sleeping. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> the, the one I laughed at uh, in the beginning is when it's still showing, like, some of the initial struggles that happened in, like, Earth Prime. And, and Batman is fighting uh, that Lex Luthor from that universe. And and Luthor's just walking towards him in this, you know, super suit. And he's just, like, whipping the batterings at him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and, it, and it's like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to judge it a mm -hmm. whole lot. But, like, I, I laugh at it every time because it's like a battering is probably not going to stop a mech suit. But, probably hey. Probably not. Yeah, uh, hit him but, twenty times, mm -hmm. he'll probably fall to a knee, and yeah. it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and one of one of the one of the best lines I think that comes out of this game is when um, Hal Jordan meets Hal Jordan, and he gets there, and you do like a quick time event again before the uh, before the fight starts, but when Hal sees himself as a Yellow Lantern because it was the natural thing to do when he went evil. Um, he basically gives a line to the other heroes with him. He's like, wait, give me a second. I've got to kick my own ass over here. Yes, and it's, yes. It's so great. And of course, <laughs> if you're not familiar with the voice cast, this is Jane from Firefly himself who is voicing yeah, Hal Jordan in this. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Yeah, I was actually, um, I wouldn't say I was shocked by it, but the voice cast of this of this game was, I, I think, one of the the strong points. Like, Because you and I have, have been through plenty of video games where the voice acting absolutely destroys believability. Yep. And and the fact that you're pulling Kevin Conroy out of the the actual animated Batman and he's he's mainline Batman here. Yeah. That I bought in right away. Yep. Like and immediately they, bought into that. They do the same thing with Superman and Wonder Woman. They are pulled right from the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was really well done. I I mean I'm I'm sure a lot of the budget went there, but yep. so well spent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and honestly, in this game a uh, an ace in the hole is Aquaman, and he's he. I'm trying to remember who who voices him. He is mm, God. He he's a very prominent voice actor. It's killing me. He used to be on Mad TV too. Oh, it's it's not Will Sasso, is it? No, no, it's not no, no, Sasso. no, no. Sorry, is it is it Phil Lamar? Yeah, it's Phil Lamar. Lamar Phil Lamar plays. Yeah, yeah. Is Aquaman in this? And he is. If you get if you play as Aquaman, one, like he's an unfair character. He has reach over yeah. he he gets to have his trident in the game. So his reach is unreal compared to any other character in this game. So if like you play And like, he can throw it. He, he can, can also throw, throw it. it too. He can chuck yeah. it, he can throw it, he can slam it against the ground, and for some reason lightning comes. I don't get how he does that, <laughs> but he does it. So he is dangerous at any distance. In this yeah. game, like you can't Haven't get you too played... close to him, you can't get far away from him. Why? Why can't we beat Aquaman? I think the programmers like, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. Everyone makes fun of Aquaman. We're gonna get fucking Phil Lamar to come in here to make him sound badass, and then you can't touch him when you play him. 
it is true. Even mm-hmm. if you play it on like a lower difficulty, that fight can actually Fuck. be tough. It can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what I found interesting about this. Like, it's not that I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like very sensitive and brittle when it comes to fighting games, so mm-hmm. I don't go for like the highest difficulty. I usually kind of play towards the easier, you know, the mm-hmm. the story driven experience. You casually, just sit back, enjoy yourself, but. Even on those lower difficulties, he can whoop your butt. He can. Like, if you are not ready, Aquaman will own you. Um, which also brings us to this. We talked about difficulty. Uh, we'd mentioned before that we are now saying goodbye to the bygone era of ridiculously complicated combinations for super moves. Those are now gone. Because in this game, you get to actually just build a meter. And when that meter fills up, your super move's ready. And it's literally you press two buttons at the same time. And boom, it's super move, ready to go. You, but the important thing here is that you still actually have to land the hit you after mm-hmm. the super move is triggered. Because otherwise, if you the block button actually isn't just hitting like a specific button anymore. You mm-hmm. press back to block. Yep. So if somebody spends all this fight like building up their super move and then you just block politely it. tap back, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not going to trigger it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, that, that's so that's that's a, a another component of this game that I, I definitely want to spend some time on. Every single character in this game has their gadgets and like their abilities. I remember looking into this, like the the studio spent like a really long time developing each individual character's fighting styles, but mm-hmm. then also making sure that what they did with their like, you know, like uh, Batman with like his grapple hook or whatever, like all this stuff was in, implemented in their mm-hmm. fighting and they make sense for like doing combos and everything. So... Mm-hmm. So you can really tell that they they didn't just go, okay, this guy kind of fights like this one, so we're just going to you know, tweak the style, but the moves are the same. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. Each individual character fights differently. Yep. And when you take that along with that, that super move, the super moves all generate cutscenes if they actually land. And the cutscenes are just fucking fun. God, they're yeah. great. They're so good. And like, it's like Batman, I think he's chucking batarangs at you that are blowing up. He eventually calls the Batmobile that runs runs over the other characters. He does a backflip over as it hits. Superman's Not... punching people into orbit. Oh, so good. The, the Batmobile part was really cool because it's not just a backflip. It's a slow motion backflip over the, the Batmobile. <laughs> it is and... straight out of the Matrix. <laughs> yes, it looks it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I will say, when, we, when you and I were playing this game and we were going through some of the online and, and grinding through this. Once you've done the finishers or the super moves roughly a thousand times, yeah, you kind of feel like the enemies fighting the Zords and Power Rangers where you're just kind of like, you know, looking at your watch and you're like, okay, all right, this is going to be another 15 seconds. All right. Uh, <laughs> just going to pick my nails here for mm-hmm. a second. And okay, we're back, you there know, so <laughs> yeah, over time, it's mm-hmm. like kind of tedious, but Yes, for most of it, even if you haven't played it in a while and you come back to it, it's like, yeah, it's it's really fun to watch, yeah. you know, Superman literally punch someone from orbit and then hit the ground again. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's enjoyable stuff. Yeah. I, I I thought I thought in lieu of not being able to do uh, fatalities, mm-hmm. you know, from like Mortal Kombat and finding a middle ground kind of like this. And like you mentioned, it is very simplistic to use, mm-hmm. right? So long as you land it. So, um but that same energy that you use to trigger super moves also uh, is used in a different way during the fights because, you know, sometimes in fighting games, you can get bonuses by doing certain 
actions, right? Mm -hmm. And in this game, you have like this face-off mode where the super move energy that you've built up can be used to wager against each other, right? So you can choose, okay, am I going to wager all of my energy to potentially win this fight so I can gain back some health? Or am I only going to wager, you know, two-thirds of the meter? Mm -hmm. Or... Yeah, or or you just wager nothing and just take the hit and then come back with the, come back with a super move of your own. It's yep. it's a fun dynamic that you can have with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was another really cool thing in here that you don't mm-hmm. see in a lot of other fighting games. And so um I've used this before to describe some video games. This one really does use the whole cow mm-hmm. because it, it's not only doing that, another thing that they did was push the the boundaries of the hardware on these systems too. Uh, because apparently this this game used like four times the amount of processing power that Mortal Kombat did. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty nuts to see how they used it, you know, on screen. So you know, I, I think here's some of the stuff that um, doesn't always get talked about when it comes to injustice. Because the the gameplay is great, the story is mm-hmm. great. What about the leveling system, Joe? Do you remember the leveling system? I do. So the leveling system you could use in, and I know like in the second game, like they take it and they just absolutely run with it. But in the first game, the leveling system is more or less, I feel like these like these were basically like challenge levels where you could complete these things through Star Labs and you would just get, I'm trying to remember exactly what you get from it in game. I did the most just earn trophies uh, for uh, for the PlayStation Network, but I'm trying to remember. Like, do you do you remember the in-game perk you actually got for raising the level of your character? So, for the, the leveling system in the game, contributed towards being able to unlock characters or mm-hmm. outfits. And so, as you kind of went through this, what I was doing was trying to figure out, like, okay, I'm not a big DC person. But I, I started to unlock some of these outfits and I'm like, oh my God, I remember this outfit from when I was like four years old and, and read <laughs> this specific comic book. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, it was interesting because the the leveling system allowed me to get educated on some of the character costumes from DC plot lines that I'd never actually read before. You know, because um, the New 52 was also mm-hmm. incorporated a lot into this where the it didn't incorporate like the main gameplay a ton. But the alternate outfits, yes, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely saw that, um, and so it, that's what kind of kept me going in a lot of ways. Once we got past like the storyline, and then mm-hmm. doing some of these side challenges, like you mentioned, it's it's a lot of it's trophy driven. It's not uh, impacting a whole lot else. But mm-hmm. the the leveling system is like that little extra, you know, yeah, you know, the difference between extra and extraordinary, you know, the chef's Just, kiss, if you will. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was enjoyable so I, I had a fun time with that yeah. because at any time you you give me the chance to see incremental progress and in the efforts i put towards something mm-hmm. I, i'm much more likely to spend time with it yeah and so for someone who never plays fighting games mm-hmm. and it wasn't honestly all that familiar with a lot of what was being you know drawn from his uh, as a an influence here kept me with it yeah it really did and then, and yeah. then for the more, I guess, hardcore um, fighting game players, like, okay, okay, the story was good. That was great. Leveling system was fun. Get some more skins. Um, but I need more than that to really bite in this. And, I, and it's got to be more than me just fighting my buddies um, when we're in the same place. There was a multiplayer to this. There was an online PvP system. And, it, like, 
pretty much every modern fighting game that's out there. Like it's got online ranking systems. So you oh, can yeah. do like ranked play and see like who, like where you are compared to the rest of the world playing this game. Uh, or you could just do unranked stuff and actually just, you know, build your confidence into trying to not get your ass handed to you by someone uh, halfway across the planet. It, you know, th this is one of those things that uh, if you, if you actually go back and read some of the commentary on this, uh, there were some people who played Mortal Kombat right in 2011, and they liked the multiplayer that it had, or the online play PvP, but they complained a lot about the lagging and, and some of the issues that came up with it. And so, uh, when they were making this one, they I, I'm trying to remember exactly who said this. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Boone. Uh, his full name I'm always forgetting. He's he's like a he's a long time uh, Mortal Kombat guy. Like if you ever remember Noob Sabat. Oh yeah. <laughs> Noob, Noob Sabat is a play on Boone's name because it's just Boone backwards. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Ed Boone. It's Ed Boone. Ed, Ed Boone. Boone. That's what it is. Yeah. So Ed Boone stated that they, they put a lot more time into the PVP because they wanted to make sure that they kind of rectified mm -hmm. some of the problems they had with Mortal Kombat here. Well, I didn't really necessarily agree that they fixed it all that much with this. Yeah. And, and like I said, there are people who are split on this too online saying, yeah, I, I could tell they put a little more effort into it than Mortal Kombat did. Mm -hmm. I remember trying to do PvP. I'd get booted from matches all the time. And this is back when my my modem and my PS3 uh, were connected, like hardline connected. <laughs> so there was no excuse for, for lagging or any problems like that. It was all wired. Still happened all the time. I, I remember there was a bunch of matches I'd, I'd just jump into. We'd trade blows, you know, and... and Maybe I was doing a little bit better, but then the match would end, and the person's like messaging me, going like, "Oh man, you're you're a freaking noob! Did you did you do that on purpose? Were you disconnected when you were winning?" And I'm like, "What? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no." So mm -hmm. that that was a problem. It yeah. was it was still a, a big problem for that. Now I haven't played Injustice too, so I can't say Either specifically if that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you could maybe you could speak to that more than I could. I mean, Injustice Two online was like I. I definitely did not experience as many issues as I had with the first Injustice game. And then there's yeah. just way more to do in the second one's online version. Like, it was to the point, like, Injustice, I felt, was, like, absolutely perfect with the package that was there. Except, of course, like, online, of course, like we just said, has issues. But there is so much to do in the online Injustice 2 that it actually, to me, felt overwhelming. I'm like, oh, my God, there's too much to do in this game. Um, and then like all the different armor, like layouts you could have and you can mix and match armor and that. And I'm like, mother of God, too much. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll trust you on that one. I haven't played it yet, but yeah, you know. Yeah. But I if, think, if... I, say, I think this does probably bring us to the part of the episode where we are talking about what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it so much. And it is time to generate an actual retro review. That's right. We begin to mm -hmm. assign our points, which, by the way, we got to decide here what unit of measurement we want that to be for this week. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess what we could do is we could make it um, an absolute mouthful. <laughs> and we could say that we could do this out of 5U93Rs. Ooh, there we go. 
<laughs> I I am totally behind that one. Yes, let's do it. All right. So for the first metric of the retro review, yes. we look to the graphics of this game. Joe, what do you want to give this out of a possible five? Mm -hmm. Five nine. <laughs> wait, five. Five, five U nine five yards. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Well, what do you want to give it? Unlike our attempt at rating this right away, I would say the graphics were pretty smooth as butter in this. Um, they they were crisp, they were fresh. Um, the characters like didn't. I don't know. They didn't like have weird jagged movements when they did things. Uh, a lot of like I remember like online superhero based games when they would fight like their shoulders would be stiff and they just kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's none of that. All the motion is fluid. Um, when you'd have like the cutscene graphics, like they looked awesome, or even better, like not even better, but like just right there, like level transition graphics, and you would like punt someone into the phantom zone or like kick someone into gorilla grad and they would they would react like all of it just looked so cool and like i would say of all the things in this game among the story the voice acting the the the, the score like the graphics are a spectacle here and i'm gonna say i'm gonna give this five five u nine three r's right off the bat wow okay well you may not like what i'm about to say here joe oh no now, when you play the game and you look at the title screen, mm -hmm. the artwork for the title screen absolutely blows you away. It's 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 photorealistic. You know, you've got like the the lasers coming out of Superman's eyes and like they're kind of haunting how well made they are. Yeah. But then you jump into the game itself and the textures of the character's skin and stuff, it just doesn't look right to me. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of smoothed and even for other games of this generation, it just doesn't look right. You know, like when you, when you, and I know Naughty Dog, this isn't a good example because they're just kind of like next tier. Oh yeah. But when you look at a Naughty Dog game and you compare it to this, I mean, the skin textures are just in incredibly different. That's and so, and so for me, I look at the graphics and I go, is this game smooth in like how you actually do button to screen? Absolutely. It does. But that's, that's not graphics. That's gameplay. It's true. When, when you think about the backgrounds of these games, they're, they're crazy dynamic, right? You mm -hmm. can, you can pick up stuff and throw it at people. You can, you know, you can crash into a, a control system and it'll break, but look closer at the background itself. These are some of the worst rendered graphics of the entire game. Like if you go back and you watch this again, the backgrounds of this game look rough, like Ooh. really rough. Mm -hmm. And especially Metropolis, when you look at Metropolis and some of these cutscenes, like normally a cutscene in a game is meant to look that much better than the gameplay, right? Yeah. Because because sometimes they actually create a video in the system and they make it look good, like in, in the system for the game, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at Metropolis and some of the background after the destruction, it looks rough. Like really, really rough. Okay, so play this. I remembered it being much more, much more crisp and clean. There's aspects of it that look good, as you mentioned. the The cutscenes when you're mm -hmm. flying up into orbit, or you know, finishing moves, whatever, those look good. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, Joe, this is a two point five for me. Ooh. I'm going the complete opposite direction wow. you went on this one. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I think <laughs> you should say the full rating. You can't just get away with saying two point five. 
Oh, a 2.5 5U93Rs. There we yes. go. <laughs> yes, that is that is what this is getting for me. <laughs> now, however, on the snake here, we're going through gameplay. Yes. Now, as we've talked about with the gameplay as a fighting game, mm-hmm. for the fighting games that I have played before, this one did truly stay with me and just how much fun I had, like I said, putting buttons to screen. Mm-hmm. Because interacting with uh, these dynamic environments, you know, being able to knock somebody in the fortress of solitude down into a hidden room, yes, which is like a trophy room for Superman, by the way. And he's got like, <laughs> it's like, he's like the Marvel collector and he's got all these weird things and stuff. Mm-hmm. You could really tell that's where a lot of care went into. It was like, this is, this is literally the developers of this game, like blowing a kiss to you through the television mm-hmm. saying, if you love DC, you're going to love what you see here. Yep. So, um, so the gameplay in that, that regard was not just rewarding because it was fun, it was rewarding because it also paid off if you were a big fan. Yeah. Um, so I will come up a little bit higher here, of course. I'm not going to be, you know, Scrooge the entire way. Uh, for this, I'll give it four and a half, five U93Rs because it, it is very, very strong. It's one of the most memorable aspects of this game for me. Very true. Very true. Where here is where actually I think I I do go a little lower than you on this one. Not a whole lot. Not, not being crazy. But for... For someone who I, I really like, for the last, for like the longest time as a gamer, I think I defined myself as a fighter. Um, I just really, really love them. And I know people like, like oh, it's just butt mash. I'm like, no, no, no. I fucking do combos. I, I set things up. I go from thing to thing. I'm not just hammering like, like mindlessly. I'm purposefully doing what I want to do in every fighter. And one thing that kills me in everything, and I hate to like be that guy but dropped fucking inputs just make me so unbelievably raging and mad. I don't want to be like, oh, it's not me, it's the controller, but sometimes like, no, it's not me. I'm pressing the buttons, and the input didn't go through. And this is one where I think that happened several times, and I don't know if that is just because, like, sometimes I feel like this happens much more in 3D fighters than it does in more 2D things. Like, and not to say 2D ones are completely, like, devoid of this, because, like, one of the better, like, one of my favorite fighters in recent gaming history is, like, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and that's 2D, it's simple, and it is, like, everything you loved about, like, like old-school Street Fighter or, um, like, old-school Tekken, and maybe not Tekken, Tekken's always been 3D, but like old school Street Fighter, and it pulls it off and it works well. And I feel like mm-hmm. because it's not trying to be like a graphics monster, which you can see like it also, like for Mark said, it struggled with at points, um, they can actually direct some of that processing to the actual fighting. So I felt like that happened way too often uh, for me to say that this was perfect. And then of course, like we talked about, like if you were really looking forward to doing online play with this, that's mm-hmm. something that really suffered here. So I'm going with this one with a 3.5. Ooh. 5U93Rs oh, wow. on it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, as, as fantasy drafts would work, Joe, you're up for replay value. What do you want to say about that aspect of the game? Replay value, um, I'm going to go high. I'm going to go 4.5 uh, 5U93Rs on this one because... This is one where, like I said, like I, like I play the entire Uncharted series over the whole summer. Um, I yeah. can do that with this game, too. I will set it to its easiest fighting value, like uh, difficulty, just because I just want to watch the story. 
and sure. I'm not to the point where I'm okay with just watching it on YouTube for 10 straight hours. I still want to actually play a little bit too. Um, so I will definitely highly replay even just the story for this. Uh, whereas like, I guess like if I wanted to do the online, like that definitely suffers, um, where yeah. I'm not thrilled about trying to go back and play online again. But as far as the story, like if I want to literally, if I like, I'll feel like I feel like watching injustice. I'm not going to watch the new animated movie, which wasn't that great. I will play this game instead. And I also know that, you know, this game is five times as long as watching that movie, <laughs> but I will invest my time in replaying the story of this game as opposed to watching that movie or even like reading the comics that lead into it, uh, lead into the story of the game. You know, I, I really do agree with this in a lot of ways. Uh, the only reason why I'm, I'm going to come in just a little bit different than you mm -hmm. is because I did like, once again, I thought the story was fantastic. Um, but th th that for me was kind of where the high point was right mm -hmm. like the other the other modes are available to you I'm not a big pvp person if other people are that that might increase their replay value um while the training modes were were fine and, mm -hmm. and some of the skill challenges were good too once again those are more towards people that love this genre yeah and while i appreciate them i didn't spend a ton of time there um where i spent most of my time was like the battles like being a single player challenge type of thing and after i was done with the story that's where I did a lot of that, but mm -hmm. this is one of the rare games where I have returned to the storyline multiple times. Like I didn't just play it one time. I, I've gone through the story of this like maybe four times. So for me, you, you know, that's quite a bit more. Yeah, it is quite a bit because I mean, <laughs> this is also during the era where um, I would tell you that I'm doing this and you'd be like, you're playing video games for fun and not just trophies. Why would you do that? people do that what's that Ooh. can you explain that to me because i don't know what that is <laughs> if, if there's no purpose behind playing the game I ain't playing it yeah <laughs> so so yes yeah, so i'm giving this for 5u 93rs mm -hmm. which brings me to one of the more controversial you know b b metrics that we've kind of gone through here because this metric can sometimes save a game from being in the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can vault it towards the very top, as we learned with Star Fox 64. Yes, and unfortunately, Tomb Raider. And, and Tomb Raider. <laughs> Tomb Raider heard exactly. it, yeah. So for this one, um, I actually I actually thought the music was one of the strongest aspects of this game because mm -hmm. even though it's not borrowing a ton from you know, some of the other properties that these belong to, it's it doesn't just fit the tone really well like i actually got kind of amped up when i heard the title screen music mm -hmm. and and as you transition from different modes and, and everything like it, it it really does elevate your if you watch like my heart rate like they did with the kids when they tested power rangers you know <laughs> and the <laughs> and that guitar riff comes on mm -hmm. like that's that's kind of where yeah. i was with this you know like the music comes on and all of a sudden i'm like oh man like this is this is an experience yeah. this isn't just Mm -hmm. you know, we are, we're all witnesses now yeah. borderline cinematic <laughs> with this for experience yeah mm -hmm. that's the best way to put it the the effort put into the music for this game feels absolutely cinematic and and that's once again that's one of the experiences that you would get in, a, in like in a naughty dog type of game uh even even bethesda games to an extent do a really good job with their uh, let's just call it like their ambient music right like yeah. the like the non-title facing music so mm -hmm. for this one um yeah i'm gonna give this a four and a half because even though i don't have like tracks committed to memory 
I remember the experience. Like it's it's not like with Tomb Raider where I went, I don't remember anything about music here. No. This one I absolutely do. Yeah. And I I'm gonna mirror you on this one and go with four uh four and a half, um five you ninety three hours on this one too for music. Because like you said, like when it comes to the title screen, the title screen amps you up. And one of the things that it also does well is like when you're actually fighting, like I, the, the music will change based on how well you're doing or how much yeah. your, your ass is getting kicked um, in the fight to try and, you know, amp you up to keep going or to, you know, not give up with what's going on. So like, even again, like I don't have tracks committed to memory on it, but I do remember like the music actually like sucking me in and it also fits the story incredibly well. So not only is it like the title or fighting, but every cutscene, either there's music is not there because they want you to focus what's going on with the characters in a specific moment, or mm-hmm. the music perfectly aids what's going on. So like one of one of the moments that I like gets me is every time I do every time I play is when Superman from Earth One comes over to actually fight, and he's one of the last players you get to play in the game. Because yeah. you may have noticed, I am something of a Superman fan over here. Oh yeah, I yeah, do I've seen that wall. Do enjoy him um, uh, as as a character. So uh, one, it was just amped up because you finally get to play as Superman and not just fight against him. But then everything from the cinematic of him finally coming on screen to the music playing while he's on, like hooked just worked perfectly uh, or worked damn near perfectly. Uh, so again, like I don't, I can't say because again, like if I could commit tracks to memory past the actual um, like main theme, I, this would be a five for me. But since I can't do that, I'm going four and a half. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to spend a little bit more time on this one metric than I normally would. And here's the reason why mm-hmm. there was a team of composers that helped put this together. Okay. The first of which is Christopher Drake. So he's an American film, uh, television, and video game composer. You might remember some of the music he wrote, Joe, for Batman Gotham Knight from 2008. Uh, Following that, he was also uh, part of some of the animated original movies, specifically Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman in 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he would also go on to handle Crisis on Two Earths, Under the Red Hood. Mm -hmm. I mean... He is just a DC animated expert when it came to making music. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Because, again, the, also, if I could recommend a couple of handmade movies, Crisis on Two Earths and Under the Red Hood, great places to start. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one person. Mm-hmm. There was also Chris Velasco. And Chris Velasco is someone I'm a big fan of. You're probably also a big fan of and didn't even know it. He provided the music for Overwatch. Yep. Uh, yep. Mass Effect, <laughs> Borderlands, mm-hmm. God of War, StarCraft Two, and Bloodborne. A couple games, couple indie hits. This guy, look into him. <laughs> Those are games <laughs> with a ton of rising and falling when it came to what was going on with the action. Um, so, seriously, like <laughs> you've got some heavy hitters here. The last person that uh, that I did some research on here is. Uh, so uh, this is horrible, and I'm sorry because I could not figure out how to pronounce this name. <laughs> uh, Sasha Dekixian. So the name, this person is also known professionally as Sonic Mayhem. A little oh. bit easier to say. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. German game musician. So uh, Sasha 
did the music for Quake 2, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Hellgate London. Um, so also some varying games that have or games and you know properties that have different levels of of once again rising and falling and and I want to call it like temperature based you know music engagement right mm -hmm. like you you need to be engaged in a certain way at a certain time so between these different people um yeah there's just a ton of experience coming into this so not shocked at all mm -mm. that this that we <laughs> we thoroughly enjoyed the music with this <laughs> yes exactly so which brings us of course to that final time we're going to tally up the numbers here which i don't actually punch into a calculator it's already calculated for us we're looking at an overall score of 83 percent hey it's our first b yes. it's the first <laughs> b yes and that doesn't have to be rounded up at all no so Overall, we gave this a 33, 5U93Rs out of a possible 40, which, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not shocked by that at all. It's, I, I would say this is definitely uh, one of the most solid fighting games I've ever played, mm -hmm. but it's definitely not like a, a, a console defining game, mm -hmm. right? Like I think you and I both agreed. The numbers showed it that Star Fox 64 was definitely a console-defining mm -hmm. game. Yeah. Um, as much as Donkey Kong Country was a console-defining game, mm -hmm. once again, we found some issues with it. A couple. <laughs> <laughs> Since it was console-defining and it got like a 77%. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but but I, I think that's mm -hmm. a fair score for I Injustice. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, it's, it's a solid game. It's a game that I think you'd want to spend time with, even if you're not a big fan of the genre. Mm -hmm. um, and and just the fact that you have all this effort that went into writing an original idea for a comic property that was in a video game. Yeah. And I mean, I would even argue that, you know, if you aren't a massive fan of the genre, then you will probably enjoy this game more than someone who is a big fan of the genre. Because again, like when you don't, when you have that missing online component to really push your limits as a as a as a fighter and that's missing yeah. from the game that if you're there like hey i just want a story and i want to beat up someone who's my favorite superhero this game's gonna do it for you guaranteed yeah absolutely i mean i i totally agree with you on that and for me it's one of the few games i still actually have installed on my playstation 3 <laughs> it's just it's always been there so I, I will give that a little bit of a hat tip because uh, it was it was the right game at the right time. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and and I think this is the part in time, uh, part of the time of the podcast. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to Digital Dissection because, as always, we, uh, we appreciate all the Dissection crew does for us week after week. So your support really does go a, a really long way. And, you know, um, because if you happen to the show by accident, you could always, you know, drop us a review. You could comment on the show. You could also, uh, you know, shoot us an email because we love hearing from you. And if you want to leave us a message, you could send us one at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And we welcome your ideas for future shows. And, well, really, really anything you'd like to tell us. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you've got any you know, notes from your last doctor's visit, you know, if you're not quite sure what you want to get next time you're at the grocery store, just send them on over that email, yeah. you know? Yeah. Not, not sure what to get your dad for Father's Day? We will give you advice. We don't know your dad at all, but we're going to tell you something to get him. 
<laughs> and if you want to yeah. be like me, and you have a small argument with your parents over how pointless cards are, if you're going to see them in person anyway, buy them this card in a language they can't read. <laughs> and with that, folks, we, once again, appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep on dissecting. <laughs>